You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. is where we start today. Welcome into this Locked on Browns podcast. My name is Jared Mueller. I am your host, Pete Smith. If you are listening to this, I do not sound like the rabbi from Seinfeld. You're gonna have to let it go, my man. Welcome into this Locked on Browns podcast where things are a little twisted. What I mean by that is, and as you all know, a lot of conversation about Hugh Jackson's coaching staff and how things are getting twisted, how things are getting moved around, the changes. And I think today uh, I was kind of waiting for the the second shoe to drop. Um, And I also don't like to be reactionary. The reality is there's lots of things to be said. There's lots of things that have been said about Ray Horton being fired, about Greg Williams, but they don't have to be said right away to be important, to be thought out, to be right. And so for me, it was important to really kind of start the conversation after having a little bit of time to process what has happened, as well as kind of waiting for that second shoe to drop, which just did with Pep Hamilton accepting a role with Michigan. And I don't even like saying the name of that school up north, but for continuity purposes, unfortunately, I think it's the right thing for me to do. Um, And so uh, Pep Hamilton, uh, someone who uh, Hugh Jackson had stated he would like to keep, is now gone. Ray Horton, who was the defensive coordinator, is now gone, and Greg Williams is in. And so that means the two top assistants to Hugh Jackson in his first year with Cleveland are gone. One, by the coach's choice. One, because the assistant decided to move on. And so let's address each of those, uh, all three of those kind of moves. So Ray Horton being gone, Greg Williams being hired, and now Pep Hamilton, the closest thing the Browns have to an offensive coordinator, are now all gone. So starting with Ray Horton, if you've listened to this podcast, if you followed me on Twitter, you can do that at Jared K. Mueller, J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. You know that I was not a big Ray Horton fan when he got hired. And he proved out some of my concerns about him. He's often struggled uh, on third down with shallow crossers and with backs out of the backfield. Both of those kind of ate the Browns alive this year. And so Ray Horton being gone, just from kind of that basis, the fact that I'm not really sure uh, he's ever going to be able to coach kind of a top-level defense. He has a lot of good ideas. I'm just not sure he's ready to ever really turn those ideas into something great for the Browns. And so Ray Horton being gone in and of itself isn't a big problem. However, I think if we're being really honest, the Browns' defense performed better than the Browns' offense, especially developing throughout the year. So we've, we watched a defense that was terrible at the beginning of the year turn out to be okay as the season progressed, compared to an offense 
which was pretty bad most of the year, a lot of inconsistency and a lot of issues. And so even though the defense by far needs more and more talent infused on it, the defense was still better. And so Ray Horton's defense got better, and yet he's gone. And so the other issue for me is creating some level of continuity, not just for continuity's sake, but for the sake of uh, changing the kind of thought process about what the Browns are about. And so all this really does is prove that change and Cleveland go hand in hand. The Browns, Hugh Jackson specifically, set up a situation where Ray Horton didn't have talent, one, and two, didn't have time to develop that talent and was shown the door. That creates and kind of cements kind of a legacy in Cleveland of change for change purposes. Now, I want to be really clear. Again, I don't think Ray Horton's a great defensive coordinator. I think he could be good but I don't think he can be great. And so I'm okay with him being gone. The other thing that um, I've heard uh, throughout kind of the season was there was a little bit of a struggle between Hugh and Ray in what Jackson wanted and what Ray wasn't really willing to do. Um, And so some adjustments that Hugh Jackson wanted just weren't really what Ray Horton wanted to do. I get that. I'm okay with that. Um, But I think it's just a concern that the Browns continue to make change after change for almost no reason, and maybe it's not no reason, but here's the thing. If I'm a defensive coordinator, if I'm a player, if I'm anyone, what gives me the hope that I'm going to be around for a few years, that I'm going to be given the opportunity to not only bring in talent, but to develop that talent in my system? See, for the Browns, and one of the things you've heard me defending for a while now, is we were in year one. Well, now defensively, we're going to be in year one again. We're going to improve the talent, probably a Miles Garrett, maybe some brought-over players from the Rams, Tremaine Johnson. Cornerback sounds like a good idea. But at some level, we're going to be in year one. It takes a while to kind of get up to speed. And that has to be a concern. As for the hiring of Greg Williams, there's obviously some some points to be made regarding Greg Williams as uh, kind of the captain of Bounty Gate. The reality is that's what's happening around the league um, at different times in different ways. And so for me to judge that um, would be a little disingenuous. But the reality is is that Greg Williams is someone who motivates his players, um, is creative in his defenses, uh, to put to rest some of the, I'll use the word, idiotic, uh, conversation. Greg Williams has a base 4-3 defense, but you can look on YouTube to oh, his hard knock segment. He will tell you that he has 42 different schemes, one of which is a 4-3 base. But the reality is, is that he uses a variety, including the fact that the Browns and Rams, the Rams who Greg Williams was the defensive coordinator of last year, were both in nickel around 70% of the time. During that time, there may have been four down linemen, three down linemen, uh, three linebackers, two linebackers, but there was always going to be five defensive backs. But in general, Greg Williams is someone who can get his players fired up for him. Players want to run through walls for him. 
On the other hand, there have been discussions, not outside of the bounty gate, that talk about some character-related concerns. And so for me, that is a concern. Um, while we're not talking about domestic violence and those kind of things that we are some players that the Browns are going to go away from, and there is concerns that uh, coaches, Art Bryles, Greg Williams, with some rough past are invited into Cleveland, but the Browns have made a concerted effort to get rid of really any player that has it has some history. And so for me, the Greg Williams era is going to be an interesting one. Uh, I will look over and I'll be prepared to continue to discuss what his defenses are going to look like. But overall, I think we have to wait and see with Greg Williams. He's going to bring a lot of firepower. Uh, he's going to bring a lot of exotic blitzes. He's going to have players uh, either wanting to run through walls for him or uh, kind of on the other side, and he's going to turn off some players, including some veterans. And I think I have to be concerned about players like Joe Hayden, uh, maybe even Jamie Collins if he sticks around, and whether or not the rah-rah type of coaching and the get-in-your-face, call-you-out-on-everything is going to work on some of the veterans. Now, we do think it should help develop some of the young players, but you have to wonder how his schemes will impact Danny Shelton, who almost always is best uh, as a nose tackle, a kind of a zero technique. Uh, but in St. Louis, in New Orleans, he's been able to make the most of his players. And so we have to give hope to it, even though it's just another change in the long line of changes for the Cleveland Browns. Speaking of getting a reaction, one thing you should react to is SeatGeek. Uh, now the playoffs are rolling. Obviously our Browns are not in it. Uh, but if you want to travel, get away from the cold, go to some games, or even go to some of the cold games, you should use SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the easiest way to find tickets for the last few games of the season. There's nothing like being in the stadium for the biggest games of the year. And with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the guaranteed seats you want for a great value. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to buy tickets. It can be anywhere, just with a few taps, I can instantly find seats for this weekend or any game this season. With SeatGeek, you always get the best deal on every ticket because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek will always find you the lowest available price. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Plus, every ticket you buy on SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, that's S-E-A-T-G-E-E-K, go to the settings tab and click on the add a promo card code, and then enter my promo code, L-O-Browns, that's L-O-Browns for Lockdown Browns. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code LOBROWNS today. And then the latest news that has come out tonight, Adam Schefter is reporting what we've heard and had rumored, and that is that Pep Hamilton, the former offensive coordinator of Stanford, uh, the Browns assistant head coach and passing game coordinator, is moving on to that school up north to try to make things more difficult for Ohio State. Maybe, maybe Jim Harbaugh could win a game here or there now that Pep Hamilton has moved on. But 
for the Browns, again, it has to be a little bit of a concern. One of the things, uh, one of the reasons that Pep is leaving is as a kind of a developmental step for him. He was the offensive coordinator calling plays in Stanford uh, with Andrew Luck, then came to Indianapolis, and now with Cleveland, he's actually kind of taken steps back. Uh, especially with Hugh Jackson, he was the passing game coordinator, but Hugh is calling plays. And so for Pep, uh, going back to college under Jim Harbaugh gives him an opportunity to uh, get back to calling some plays. Harbaugh will have some of that. But for Pep, who uh, probably has his sights set on more than just being an offensive coordinator, definitely more than being a passing game coordinator, under Hugh Jackson, he had very little room for development and for improvement. He wasn't, Hugh's not giving away play calling. And so Pep, after one year of being with Hugh Jackson, has decided he'd rather go back to his old boss, Jim Harbaugh. And so there is some concern there that that Hugh Jackson made Pep Hamilton's hiring a priority, and yet once he had him hired, didn't make him a priority. Hugh didn't allow him to be a big enough part that Pep could feel like he could develop as a coach develop his career and see his path going forward with Cleveland. Instead, he goes back to the college ranks, something he does like, but that was actually an opportunity that he had last year, but decided to come and work for Hugh. So what was it about this one year with Hugh Jackson that made Pep Hamilton decide to move on? Part of it really is that he enjoys the college game. He likes working with young kids. He likes developing them. Um, he likes a different kind of grind. He likes some of the recruiting, those kind of things. But again, you have to question whether or not there's a level of arrogance to Hugh Jackson that may keep him from getting the best quality offensive staff that the Browns need. As a head coach, there are so many things that he has to be involved with, but he has failed to relinquish and doesn't seem to have any plan to ever relinquish control of the play calling. That works in some places, like McCarthy and Green Bay, that works. But there were some struggles along the way. And he's also developed some quality talent in the coaching realm around him during that time. Can Hugh Jackson do that? The real question now becomes is, how do you replace Pep Hamilton, who not only was your passing game coordinator, was basically your quarterback coach? Because the Browns, like it or not, are either going to have to ride with a young Cody Kessler, draft a quarterback, or go looking on the free agent trade market to find their next quarterback. And they need a quality quarterback coach. Hugh Jackson can't do it all. With Pep Hamilton now at Michigan, someone he was very clearly stating that he wanted to keep around, Hugh Jackson has to make the next hire the right hire. He's got to be able to bring in someone not only who can do the job, but someone who wants to be there and create a situation where both Greg Williams and whoever this new hire are going to be around for a while. Arrogance is rampant in the NFL. It's rampant in professional sports because you need a level of arrogance to do that. On the other hand, Hugh Jackson has to figure out if he is getting in the way. Is he the reason Pep Hamilton left? Is he 25% of the reason? Or did Pep Hamilton just decide it was time for him to go back to the college ranks? Either way, the Cleveland Browns and Hugh Jackson have a fight on their hands. 
it may just be a public uh, perception fight, but it's a true fight. In Indianapolis last year, conversations with agents um, and some of the coaches is that there is a real concern that getting hired in Cleveland, A, means you move your family for a very short stint, and B, could have a dramatic impact on long-term viability in the NFL. Firing your defensive coordinator after one season, having your, basically your offensive coordinator, who you personally wanted to be your kind of top offensive guy, decide to leave after one season. Those are two huge moves that could set the Browns back. If not on the field, definitely in the public perception and the perception of coaches and players. It'll be interesting to see if it has any impact in free agency. But Browns fans, the offseason is just getting started, and we've got a long way to go before next year. And we'll have you all covered on the Locked On Browns podcast. So thank you for stopping by. I look forward to your interactions on Twitter. Again, that's at Jared K. Mueller, at J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. Thanks for stopping by and go Browns.